Coming up on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, it was another gutty effort against Gonzaga. But a winless weekend for the Cougs, who now face a home road weekend with Santa Clara and St. Mary's as down the stretch they come in the WCC. And we're looking ahead on the Coaches Show with all the coaches next on BYU TV. This is BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Herbell. Well, thank you, and good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah. It's our weekly look inside the BYU men's basketball program. Glad that you're joining us live or on demand via the BYU TV and the BYU radio apps. Social media hashtag, hashtag Pope Show. Coming up on tonight's broadcast, we will look back on BYU's road swing through Pepperdine and Gonzaga. Fuseni Traore will visit with Jerem Jordan inside the film room. Assistant coaches Nick Robinson, Cody Feger, and Cahill Fennell will join us as our in-studio guests throughout tonight's show. We'll go deep blue with BYU women's hoopster Kaylee Smiler. We'll look ahead to games this week against Santa Clara at home and St. Mary's on the road. And we'll also have some social media Q&A and our Cougar Hoops trivia to cap off the program. Let's get tonight's third to last show of the season, if you can believe it. Let's get it on the road by bringing in the head coach of the Cougars. He is Mark Pope. That was brisk tonight. Yes, I was slow last time on Fast Tonight. Last week we had the slow saunter, you know, and he really soaked it in. Tonight it was right to the seat. Yes. All right. It was Valentine's Day. It is. We see see some red and some pink in the room. Uh, Not by the two guys up here, of course, but it is Valentine's Day. I'm super curious to know (laughs) how many um, significant other spouses are happy to be here on their Valentine's Day night. It seems like the perfect... Okay. Is it not the, per- the perfect date opportunity? I can't imagine. No, that this it. is the perfect date opportunity. <laughs> Could there be a what better, more romantic Just, thing to do than to spend the evening yes, with you and I? Good feelings Talking abounding. Talking some hopes. <laughs> wow. So uh, it is for those who are you know new to the program. They not know that uh, that the first thing we do is we ask the ever vital question: What's on Mark's mind? Well, it's Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I thought it would be appropriate to share the greatest love story ever told in the history of my life. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, because I have time. And it's going to get me out of the doghouse for being here on Valentine's Day night. <laughs> so I was... Uh, I, mean, I wish we had music for this. We don't. We don't. Yeah. We just hum. You just hum. No, I'm not. When, the, <laughs> no. when it strikes you, just start to hum the appropriate... So I was uh, living in Indianapolis. I was 26 years old. And, um, You're a professional basketball player. I was, I, was, I was playing basketball, almost playing, mostly sitting on the bench, <laughs> sometimes rarely playing. And I, um, it was the year of the lockout. And so it was, uh, we were in negotiations, so it was October and we still hadn't started the season yet. And everything was a mess. And so we were flying back and forth to New York and I got from a friend, I got the number of this girl who I had never met before who was working in New York City. And so I was flying out to New York. So before I left, before I got on the plane, I called her, took a really early morning flight out, was there all day and flew back that night. And um, so, you know, this is a long time ago, guys. This is before most of you were born. There were, like, she had a cell phone. I did not yet. <laughs> so we exchanged messages the whole time. Well, I kept leaving her message at the various places I was in the city. Flew back late that night. Got back to my apartment at, like, 1.30 in the morning. Came into the house, and there used to be this box that you had on your <laughs> sink that was called an answering machine. <laughs> And it would record messages that people left when you weren't there. And so I just walked in and pressed play. And there was a couple other messages. And then it, and then it was Miss Leanne. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I'd ever heard her voice. And it was awesome. There were three messages. Responded to each of my messages. Each of them um, acknowledging the ridiculousness of me leaving her messages without a phone without to a phone contact. Response, yeah. 
And then it was actually magic because like her voice just had so much life and she was crushing me and I didn't even know her. <laughs> and I remember listening to the message and then kind of this is late, at, you know, early in the morning, slumping down on the, on the kitchen floor, leading us deal and listening to the message like three more times. And it was pretty great. <laughs> then we started talking. So the first time we talked was November 1st. And um, she had just completed the New York Marathon, so it was super impressive to me. I didn't know anything about her still. We talked on the phone. And then a few months later, my first album dropped. It was, um, it was Mark Pope, Unshaven. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the first song on the album was, was a song to Leanne. I was going to bring a guitar and sing to you today, but I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> And the first line of that song, we had been talking every day. And so the first line of that song was, I met a girl the other day. Leanne was her name. She came to Indy for a little stay. And things have never been quite the same. And that is it's the rhyming. truth. It's rhyming. That's the truth of my life. The greatest thing that ever happened in my life. So Leanne. The greatest thing. Pretty accurate. Everything. I didn't even know she, you were here. I didn't see you coming in. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Sarah. I didn't see you. Oh. 100% accurate, she says. Yeah. That is awesome. So. Leaving messages at the beep. At the beep. Yeah. You didn't know she was there? No. Well, the, is, is, it like, it is the greatest. I mean, come on. And here you are. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody that is blessed enough to to have a relationship uh, where you're madly and wildly in love, and to all those of you who don't yet, it's coming, so <laughs> hang in there. Doesn't get any better. Not every coach is going on his show this week in the nation and talking about being madly in love and sharing lyrics from a song, <laughs> and I mean, come on. What a moving way to, to, start the, to start the program. This is awesome. This is really sweet. Yeah, well good, that's fantastic. Thank and you for wearing red, it just, captures the emotion of the moment. Normally, we're not big on red yeah. on this program, <laughs> generally speaking, but we'll make an exception. I have yeah. a red Christmas tie that I'm allowed to wear on Christmas, and then I don't wear red on Valentine's Day, but thank you for doing it. Let's keep the good feelings going for a second. We're going to zip ahead uh, to the weekend. Now, I know you have a game Thursday, but Saturday, whenever the St. Mary's game pops up, you and Brandy Bennett have a, have a thing yeah. going. There's a special deal I know you want to hit. Um, and we talked about it last year. Um, it's called, it's a be the match, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's actually, actually, Randy and I deserve zero credit because it's actually Randy's wife and Leanne that are running the whole thing. And, and they've developed actually a really special relationship both super passionate about fighting cancer. And this Be The Match is an incredible program. So uh, at St. Mary's on Saturday, we're having a Be The Match game. And it's a program where anybody, Lee, the ages are 18 to 40 is kind of the pocket. where 35. Where you can go and just have a simple, a very, very simple, just a prick test. Just a prick blood test. And um, you can be put in an, oh, sorry, it's a swab. And you can be put in a national registry um, to be a donor, a marrow donor for uh, people with blood cancer, any type of blood cancer, leukemia, myeloma, multiple myeloma, anything like that. And it literally gives you the chance to save somebody's life. And it is, um, we've had uh, students do it here at BYU. We've actually had, I don't know, babe, how many have we met, three or four students? here at BYU that have actually had the chance to save, for example, a young child's life, the only person in the world that could save their life by, by, by offering to make a, a donation. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible program. And so uh, if you have a chance, just Google Be The Match, look at it. It takes two seconds. They'll mail you a little swab that you can do and you just put on a national registry where you have a chance to help somebody. And on the screen you see, bethematch.org. And that's affiliated with the Saturday game you'll play at St. Mary's. You'll have Santa Clara at home before you head to St. Mary's on the weekend. That's so while Randy and I are trying to beat each other's <laughs> brains yeah. out, Leanne and Randy's wife are going to, and, and Leanne and Darlene are going to be, you know, kumbaya, save the world. So. <laughs> kind of a contrast uh, on the weekend. Uh, this past week, um, it was a rough week for the Cougs, yeah. but 
in the week we saw, we yet saw maybe another embodiment of how this team is and who this team is because it was a tremendous bounce back on yeah. Saturday. And I know it's results oriented. You didn't get the win, but yeah. man alive, um, that was another classic game with the Zags. Has anybody ever heard, um, does anybody ever listen to the post-game radio show? I do, all the time. Yeah. So can we please stop listening, Uh-oh. okay? No, or at least not- when I come on, because th- these 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 uh, competitions are so emotional. Like like our guys have put their whole heart and soul in, and and, and th- therefore we're putting our whole heart and soul in. And I am totally not recovered by the time I have to get them on the radio. I'm a disaster. Like Greg is just like, please just stop talking. No, I'm not. I'm not like that. Oh, I, I give him. So I give painful. him. I give him a full 15 minutes oh. to get rid of all the feelings that he's had to come on oh. and come on the radio. But I, I'm I like a child. I don't even feel like a coach. It takes me. It takes me like at least an hour to kind of put all myself together again. Um, I know he wants to choke me half the time too. I just, I just feel like he's just holding himself back. But, so, uh, like, I'm gonna avoid the post-game comments, okay? And it really, if you want to hear someone who's totally salty out of his mind, you should listen to the post-game. Uh, it is like uh, we're playing the long game right now, and it is super scary to play the long game in sports because usually you don't have time to play the long game. But we're doing it. Meaning a big picture approach. A big or a picture approach. approach. And, and yeah. we knew it going into the season, and it's a very conscious decision. And it doesn't take away any of the pain of losses for sure. Um, but like every time after we have a setback, like 45 minutes after when I've regained my composure, I'm full of pride and exhilaration about what these guys are doing right now. I know that's, we are definitely results oriented, but. But the, all of the data and all of the film and all of the feedback we're getting from our guys in the locker room and from practice, these guys are getting, they're growing so fast. And it's really exhilarating. And, and there's going to come a, 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 anybody Malcolm Gladwell fans in here? Tell me there's a Malcolm Gladwell. He's a great Gladwell Canadian. He's a great Canadian. Yeah, great he, writer. He, he, he really, is a great yes. Canadian, yes. yes. He wrote a book, Tipping Point. And you, you keep approaching this tipping point and finally you get over the edge and you start to see magnified all the results that have happened before you actually got to the tipping point and, and got, over, got, over the, got over the edge. And we're going to do that over the next you know, weeks and months and, and next couple of years. And it's, it's, it's incredibly exciting. And it, right now it's just so painful. But um, I couldn't be more proud of our guys because they come every day and, and they've, they've probably competed at a level that we didn't quite anticipate in a lot of cases. And we've just fallen a shot short, a stop short in so many big games. Um, but, but watching these guys grow is awesome. And we got to watch them grow this, this, this weekend. And it was super painful, but we got to watch them grow. And, and I can't wait to, that we all, I'm so excited we all get to watch this multiple year, you know, process go on together because at the end of it it's going to be wildly rewarding for all of us and especially my guys like they're in pain right now like they feel the pain and that is it's it's actually actively changing their insides right now to to and that's why they're going to have the success that they are going to have and they're going to grow into the team and the individuals that they're going to grow into is, is thanks to this pain. And so it's, it's pretty awesome. Let's look back at a few nice performances from BYU players last week. Last weekend's set of games began with the Cougars uh, paying their final WCC visit to Pepperdine. The Waves had lost their first 10 conference games before they finally got one. Then BYU came in off the Waves' big win and the last Thursday's game went the Waves' way. Uh, the final stats look like this. Uh, Pepperdine winning at 92. It's a high-scoring team. You knew that. They scored 81 against you at your place in the game. You one that's how they go yeah super talented team um a young team like us were the two the two young teams in the league and uh ridiculously talented and they had a, they they put together an incredible performance stats brought to you by intermountain Healthcare. let's take a look at a couple of uh, individuals who stood out in malibu uh fuseni Traore is uh shooting it really of course he's been a good shooter all season long but he's in a good place right now uh, scored 19 and uh, really in all the games he played against pepperdine for his career he's been a handful for them yeah I'll um, tell you what, Fuse is, you talk about guys that are growing 
And Foose is just growing at such an exponential rate right now. Um, and he's adding new pieces of the game like this isolation from the top. Now two or three times a game, he's, he's getting isolation from the top where he's really, really effective attacking from beyond the three-point line. That is so new to his game and it's a part of his game he's been really working on and trying to cultivate. And now we're seeing it happen. There's another opportunity for him where we're in transition, he's just attacking uh, from the top of, the, you know, from beyond the three-point line, it's pretty exciting. Gideon George uh, with uh, some excellent footwork in the clips we're going to see here. Uh, and and, and these, are, these are polished moves now he's developing around the basket. Yep. Yeah, Gideon is, is you know, getting more and more consistent playing off two feet. Um, he's been great in the last couple of days of practice, uh, actually making plays. Um, and he's, you know, it's been, it's been really incredible to watch his progress over the last three years. All right, so BYU drops a tough one in Malibu. The Saturday, the Cougs were in Spokane to take on the 16th-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs. Uh, the two teams, BYU and Gonzaga, as we transition, they played a thriller at the Marriott Center, and their final WCC regular season game in Spokane was a wild one. Cougs led for much the second half. The Zags closed strongly. They win it by 7, 88-81. And you really did, did play two tremendous games against Gonzaga. Uh, and, and ultimately their closing touch, their finishing touch, kind of was the uh, uh, the deal sealer. Yeah, uh, Strother has killed us twice now. He had, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're up, you know, set to win the game here, and he hits a, a last second three. Um, and then in this game, he actually banged two threes at the very end of the game, and then, and then also got fouled on a three and, and made free throws. And he just has proven to, you know, in, in really, really close games, veteran star players step up and they make game-winning plays, and he certainly has made those plays in our first two games. Gonzaga went to the line a lot in this game. In fact, they were pacing for kind of a rough game at the line. They were six of 14 at one point, then they go 20 for 20 to finish yeah. the game at the free throw yeah. line, and kudos to them, but they got there a lot. Yep, they got there a lot. Uh, individuals, Spencer Johnson had uh, one of his best games as a BYU Cougar, scored 17, seven assists for Spence, which are a career high for him. Yeah, and, and I mean, how good has Spencer been this year? Uh, you know, he really, really worked hard in the offseason uh, to, to add some weight and strength to his body. Um, he's got two years here uh, learning the system and learning how we play under his belt. And that shows. I mean, if you want to watch the progress that guys undergo in their tenure here, just look at Spencer over the last three years and the player that he's become right now. And uh, it's so fun to anticipate how he's going to take another huge step moving forward next year. But he's, he's playing elite level basketball and he's been really consistent all season long. Speaking of consistent, Afus in his last three games has gone seven for 10 from the field in each one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he had a 19 point game the first game in Malibu. He scored 17 on the weekend at Gonzaga. Had a lower scoring game against the Zags at your place, but yeah. uh, uh, did a lot more offensively uh, in the rematch. It's a great play by Dallin Hall, just kind of tricking the tag, look off pass, and then and then Foo's giving Drew Timmy a little bit of his own medicine. Yeah. Not as much as Drew does, but just kind of going toe to toe. and then. Foos, in the last several games, has been so incredible about protecting the ball after the catch. Every time he catches, he's swarmed, and he's been so incredible protecting the ball. And that was actually a, 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 a suggestion by Coach Fennell out of the timeout about blitzing the ball screen, and Foos executed it great. He's got really quick hands and quick feet when he's locked in, and, and um, it's, it's been really incredible to watch him grow. And that last clip uh, for a big man to hang in reverse uh, like that was pretty impressive. Yeah, that's it. Guys, that's super difficult. And with the left hand, like that's a, that is a, that's an incredible play for a guy his size. But he's got, um, first of all, he's so vertical. Uh, he, you know, he's he's so explosive off the floor, and then he just has this little space where it just kind of hangs in the in the air, and he's really comfortable making plays. It's a special play. Well, Foos is indeed on a roll, double figure scoring in six straight games, seventy percent as I mentioned from the field in each of his last three games. Tonight, we get to Foos's read on his recent stretch of games as he sits down with our Jerem Jordan inside the film room. Okay, Foos, yep. against St. Mary's and Gonzaga, St. Zaga as we like to call them. All three games, you guys have leads in the last four minutes. Tough to lose all three of those. Uh, emotionally, what are you guys going through uh, with what happened Saturday, and how do you kind of stay dialed in to get some big wins here down the stretch of the season? Mm, like, for sure it's super emotional, you know. Like, the bad coach has been tagging to us, you say like, we just gotta find a way like to finish the game, you know. We just gotta stop playing like 38 minutes like hard and those two minutes, everybody just have to stay like in, you know. That's how we're gonna be able to win those games. Okay, let's take a look at some of the great plays in this. He had 17 points, it was awesome. We start right in the second half. Too many good plays to highlight here, but we'll do our best. 
Opening possession, you guys drop a, a high pick and roll here with Dallin. Great pass by Dallin to you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that was yeah, that was uh, quite good at that place, you know, because you know Drew to make a quick show, you know, and Dallin is a smart player, you know, and he just find me somehow, you know, and I was able to finish it. Okay, last ten minutes here, an and one, and you flexed on him. Now we were feeling it, you know, because everything was going our way, you know. It wasn't going our way, but. Coach been talking to me like, you know, he say like, it's always going to be a second defender, you know. Just make sure you protect the boy and you go up strong. I feel like that's how I do what I did, you know. Okay, Spencer Johnson in another pick and roll. The pick and roll with you uh, mm -hmm. in this game was fantastic. This time Spencer Johnson finds you. Oh yeah, because Spencer, you can see him, he's just waiting like, he make me an eye contact and say like, just slip, slip, you know. And I was able to slip and he was able to find me, you know. High off the window for the bucket, it was awesome. And then look at you. The steal and the fast break dunk. Yeah, that was actually a time or, you know, could do that place. Coach said, like, he's going to come to the ball screen and just go take the ball, you know. And I was able to do it. You can see Coach, like, go dump me a kill up, you know. How would you grade your dunk here? Because I don't even think you touched the rim. This was a throwdown. You just threw it in the rim. <laughs> this kind of a game, you cannot be too fancy, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> got to make sure you it goes. You got to make sure yeah. they just go in, you know. And I was just here. Yeah, just go for it. Okay, next play. This this is maybe the play of the game for you. The the excellent seal and then the reverse with the left hand up and under the rim. This is fantastic. Oh yeah, I was. Nah, that was nice actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this play, it was a fast break, you know. And I, Spence didn't see me, but I have to yell his name, you know, because there was no bottom. And when he passed me, I was able to go. But the bottom came late, and I was able to finish with my left hand. And that's a big deal. It's not like you're uh, playing a bunch of chumps there. You're playing Gonzaga in the kennel. Mm -hmm. Like, were you feeling it in that moment? Yeah, you were I was, on fire there for a while. I, I was feeling it, yeah. I was going, you know. I was just, my mindset, whatever it takes to win, you know, I'm going to do it, you know. And it's not all about scoring for you. Great pass, little high-low, mm -hmm. little African connection here oh, yeah. with your uh, with your guy, Atiki. No, I actually love playing with Atiki, you know, uh, because I feel like he's, for sure he's going to catch those 100 of time, you know. I trust him and I just was able to make the pass and he was able to finish, you know. When's the last time you didn't have a rebound in the game? Because oh, that was weird. That was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was actually, uh, I don't remember when was the last time I didn't get any rebound. That was crazy, actually. Yeah. You make up for it with something. Yeah, and I will make up for it, for sure. So, tough loss against Gonzaga. You, st you guys still have a shot at the top four seed if you play well down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Santa Clara comes in Thursday. What will it take to beat them at home after they beat you on the road? I think like this week, we just had a focus like finish the season strong, you know. I feel like all the boys are motivated, you know. Even today, we're excited to come get better, you know. I feel like we're gonna get, get, we're gonna get them. Well, good luck against Santa Clara, and mm -hmm. uh, thanks for the time, Foose. Thank you, appreciate, I appreciate it. it, thank you. Foose's hands are bigger than Jerem's. Yeah, they're a little bit. <laughs> thank you, Foose and Jerem. As we break, your reminder that your day-to-day -day Cougar Sports play-by-play -play happens on BYU Sports Nation. Join Spencer and Jerem weekdays at noon Eastern, BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, we'll go deep blue with women's basketballer Kaylee Smiler and assistant coach Nick Robinson joining us in studio. BYU Basketball, Mark Pope continues. This holiday, whether you're roasting a smith... BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is brought to you by Siegfried & Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Cascade Collision Repair, serious about perfection. And by... Smith's fresh for everyone. Welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Well, for tonight's edition of Deep Blue, we're going down the hall that takes us to the BYU women's basketball program as we learn more about one of their most impactful players. For most student athletes, going to college means a new beginning, often far from home. For Kaylee Smiler, that physical distance is over 7,000 miles. From whence, she now shares her gift of hoop and dance from the Maori culture. I grew up being taught that if you are Māori, you are Māori. It doesn't matter if you're 1%, 10%, half. Like, I, I never knew what all these percentages were. Every year, BYU has a luau which showcases Polynesian cultures. One of the leaders for luau reached out to me and was like, hey, are you free to lead this section? I know you're from New Zealand and you're Māori. It would be awesome if you could join. And my first reaction was like, there's no way, I'm too busy. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, it goes by, 
And she's like, hey, I just want to let you know if you can't do it, we have nobody. So there won't be a Māori section provided at Luau this year. And so I like called my dad, hit up my sister, and I was like, it's just unacceptable. <laughs> we, that can't happen. Dancing is one of my most favourite things. My heart is split in two. One is for basketball, one is for dance. Um, especially cultural dancing, doing Māori kapohaka, because it connects me to my ancestors, to my culture. So every time I do it, I feel the spirit. I can feel their mana. Mana is the Māori word for strength. And so when I perform, I just feel connected to, to everything. It's definitely something I remember forever, being able to perform my culture in front of my family that I have in Utah, my basketball family. Also to be able to teach BYU students who know nothing about my culture, a little piece of what I have from home to them. Our childhood was amazing and my parents made the decision to keep us all close to our cousins. They always wanted us to grow up together in a safe environment. We're all supporting one another. And with the Māori culture in New Zealand, it was um, important that they always had that connection to their home. I've learnt that it takes a village. And so just growing up, like it wasn't just my parents taking care of us and it wasn't just my aunties and uncles taking care of their family, you know, like everyone in the community was a big family. And I love that because I could go to anyone's house for dinner, I could hang out with anybody's friends and stay the night. It was very safe, happy, wholesome, yep, childhood. And uh, in our little cul-de-sac, there were like five basketball hoops of different, of different heights. And it was like a congregation, a little nursery of basketball that would find a hurt from from the you know the youngest little kids you know to the teenagers. Basketball has been with my family forever. I don't know what we'd do without it. Every family holiday, every public holiday, Christmas, birthdays, like any kind of tournament, away games, vacations, you had to have a basketball with you. You know, sport does so much. It, teaches them uh, discipline and commitment, dedication, teamwork, communication. When I was a senior and she was a first year freshman, she was in the starting five. It wasn't because I was team captain and dad was a coach, it was because no one was faster than her or no one could defend as well as her. You know, she held her own, she worked hard to build her skills. And so she deserved a starting five spot as a freshman in our high school team. Right, and we got to a national championship. And so when she got recruited to play at BYU, I knew any team would be lucky to have Kaylee. So like every 15-year-old girl, I had my life sorted. It was planned. I was going to graduate from high school and then try to get a scholarship to play on the BYU Hawaii women's basketball team because my sister played on the team at the time. The next year I turned 16 and my sister calls and was like, oh, the program's shutting down. All sports at BYU Hawaii uh, won't be there anymore. And that's when I was like, I need to figure out what I'm doing with my future now. <laughs> and it hit me like all those morning practices, all those games and tournaments and funding that went into everything. I was like, I don't think I'm ready to let it go. And that's when I heard of BYU Provo and I was like, BYU, th there's two? There's a BYU Provo? <laughs> I had woken up late and I got a random call and all I could hear was, Kaylee, Kaylee got hurt. Uh, we're going to the emergency room. Can you meet us at the hospital? I was at Deer Creek boating with some friends. It was my turn and I was wakeboarding and I fell off and I fell off pretty bad. So, you know, my feet came out of the boots. As I was putting my board up, I started getting sucked under. And before I knew it, I was hit by the side of the boat propeller and so it shot me out and at the time I didn't really understand what was going on. Too much adrenaline, I honestly thought the ladder hit me. Took a quick look and yep, it had cut all the way down to my, my femur bone. She has like the tendency for things to happen to her. Heavenly Father definitely has a list of special people that he looks out for. It's definitely Kaylee on that list. Because something will happen to her and then she doesn't even get a good result. The outcome is better than what you could have thought, you know? I was basically the miracle of the week because if I had been cut like two inches higher, 
then I would have passed away. I would have just bled out on the boat. Or if I had been hit two inches lower, then that would have been around my knee. So I, you know, I could have been amputated from the knee down. If I was two inches inward, then it carries my femoral artery. I could have been hit and passed over there. It was just amazing. There was like, there's no way you could get in an accident and yet still have the most perfect circumstances for us to perform surgery on you. And so they're like, you're a lucky girl. And that's why, yeah, it's definitely a miracle I'm here today. So it's not just that Kaylee got into an accident. You know, four or five miracles happened after that. Of course they happened after that, you know? After Kaylee graduated with her bachelor's degree, she had to go home to New Zealand because she was no longer here on a student visa. Of course she had to go back. That was the tragic thing. But then they offered her a master's program, completely paid for, of course they did, you know? And so just like that, I renewed my visa and I came right back for another two years. <laughs> It's great, I don't know, it always works out for Kaylee. I don't know, <laughs> she must be doing something right, you know. I'm incredibly proud of her as a, as a young woman. She represents not only her family and her country, but her school as well. No, we, we're not there, but we know that she's very well supported uh, from friends in the community to all the coaches. Never in a million years could I have imagined where I am today. I'm like the first in my school to get a Division One scholarship to go full ride. I'm the first in my neighborhood to, you know, study in the States, do all these kind of accomplishments. So I feel like when I win, we all win. E koreo e ngaro. I can never be lost. Um, he kaka no aho, for I am a seed. Iroyo mai rangiatea, a seed sown from heaven. I love it because it reminds me that I can never be lost if I, if I know who I am, if I know where I'm from and where I come from, then I shouldn't have a problem. Even though I live all the way out in Provo, Utah, e koreo e ngoro, he Well, a great story, great player, and great program, and you guys see a lot of each other yeah. across a lot of paths, don't you, between yeah. the annex and the, and the Marriott Center? And, How great is that story? Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, it's a, you know, you think about it just, if you just take this little slice of basketball between the men and the women, we're, we're touching New Zealand and, and Asia and China and, and Africa and Europe, uh, just on the teams in the last couple of years. It's, it's pretty yeah. fun that they were getting to touch every single part of this world. It's, it's awesome. Well, the BYU men have three games left in the regular season. We have three Pope shows remaining, including tonight. And we have all three assistant coaches joining us on tonight's show, each in their own segment. And let's tip things off. Please welcome back in BYU assistant coach Nick Robinson. Oh. I'm a, I'm, I, I'm on break right now. This okay. is <laughs> yeah. Mark gets a breather. Uh, good to see you again, Coach. Uh, good to see you too, Greg. In, in sports, uh, we call some people lifers um, because they've been kind of in the game essentially all their lives. Does that kind of apply to you? Yeah, I've been really fortunate ever since I was uh, uh, really young uh, to have watched a lot of basketball because my dad played professional basketball over in Europe. Um, and ever since that uh, love kind of caught on to me, uh, I've been in the game high school, played college, and now been coaching for quite some time. When people ask you where you were born and raised, what's the answer there? Uh, I, was, uh, I went to high school in Liberty, Missouri, uh, but I was raised in uh, Europe, um, born in Salt Lake City, um, lived in Belgium, France, and England for about five years, uh, then was in Dallas, Texas. So I've been all over the place. You know, there's so many people, like, in the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and other people that have visited Liberty, Missouri. But now we all know somebody from, from Liberty, Liberty, Missouri. Missouri. That's amazing. That's me. Who played at, who played at Liberty High School. Played at Liberty High School. Yeah. So now you're kind of famous uh, for a game-winning shot as a player at Stanford, but you were doing the same stuff at Liberty High School in Missouri, let's roll it and take you to Columbia in 1998 oh, wow. on the floor of the Missouri Tigers 4A state championship. And Liberty's down one and you're wearing number 24. Take it away, Coach Robinson. Yeah, this was an incredible game. Um, you may not know this, but there's uh... You got the ball. Oh, oh yeah, right. yeah, no, yeah, right? Little hesitation, down right? 17 Down one, 17 up one. 
That's exactly yeah. Michael Jordan, but on the other side of the floor. Yeah. That's exactly it. And that came with like 35 seconds to go. They had one more shot. Actually, got two more looks at it because of a jump shots. ball. They didn't score. That ends up being the game-winning shot for the state championship. Yeah. No, it was amazing. Uh, the year before, we had lost in the quarterfinals, and uh, our team was so dedicated, right, to coming back the next year because we weren't, were all juniors, then we were all seniors, to come back and not relive that quarterfinal mm -hmm. loss. Uh, and on the way to the state championship, we actually won at a buzzer uh, as well. Um, uh, so there was a little bit of luck involved, but a lot of hard work and uh, capped it off with a state championship and a 31-0 season. It was a lot of fun. You know who's not surprised about that shot? is every single one of our players. <laughs> because Coach Robinson is still good enough to play, so he has to jump into practice a lot. And he's got every single guy on the team, basically. Every now and Everyone's day. taking their turn. Awesome. And you were playing on a, on a Big 12 floor at the time. Uh, Missouri was in the Big 12 at the time. Uh, you got recruited by, uh, who, who was in the recruiting mix for you when you're coming up? Yeah, so the, the final really came down to Utah and Stanford. Okay. Um, BYU recruited me, um, but that, at that particular time, um, you know, schools like Rice, a lot of the academic schools, um, and it ultimately came down to Stanford. Uh, the, the education that was provided at that particular time uh, and the winning that was taking place uh, was why I decided to go there. And last week, in fact, a week ago tonight, was the 19th anniversary uh, of your other famous game winner uh, against Arizona. And uh, I, I hope you don't mind reliving it as much as you get talked about because it's such a great play. Well, it just gives me chills every <laughs> single time, right? That, you know, to take two dribbles and let it go while my point guard is in the paint calling a timeout. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just amazing, right? I mean, what a team. What an experience. Uh, we were really, really fortunate to come out of that uh, 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 that pile and that court storming. <laughs> no kidding. Um, uh, but I think Tiger Woods was courtside uh, was. that night. Yeah, yeah, no, Tiger, Dick Vitale was on the call with Brent with Musburger. Brent Musburger. Yeah. And um, you know, give, one, give the setting, because uh, you guys need to understand the setting of this game, because it's not just any game. Yeah, so we were ranked number two in the country. Arizona was number 12. Uh, basically, that game with three or four more games to go would determine uh, the Pac-10 championship at that particular time. So um, it was a really, really important game. We were losing most of the game. Um, and then Josh Childress, who played in the NBA for a long time, um, uh, you know, hit a corner three, uh, which a lot of people don't realize, on three left-handed passes, which we were really proud of because it went from <laughs> one side of the floor all the way to the other. He makes a three to tie the game, and uh, we had to come up with a defensive stop. And, uh, you know, uh, Andre Godala, right, with the Warriors, uh, multiple other NBA pros on that Arizona team, and uh, for us to be fortunate to get a deflection, get a steal, two dribbles, and let it go in, it was, it was an amazing experience. Got to meet Tiger Woods yeah. and his fiance at the time. It was it was a pretty big deal. And, and, and uh, Dickie V and Brent on the call, and they were referencing the fact because I think your your first daughter was born maybe three weeks later, but she was your wife was pregnant at the time, and they yeah. kept referencing this might put her into labor because uh, of how exciting it was. But yeah, your first daughter was born just two weeks later, right? She was, yeah, and uh, born on a Sunday, and um, uh, I left on the Wednesday to go on another road trip. Um, and uh, right now, my daughter is a freshman here at BYU and having. A great experience, so it's amazing how time flies. You went directly into coaching after your Stanford playing career. Wait, wait, I, gotta, I gotta say this, this is actually, you're gonna get mad at me. Uh -oh. So just to give you a sense of how big this shot was, okay? So I'm not gonna name the franchise, but it's an NBA franchise in California. Mm -hmm. So this was two years ago. All of a sudden, this we get this deal in the mail and it's a, a special request by the owner of this NBA franchise. He sent Nick a photo of the shot and asked him to sign it and send it back. How cool is that? <laughs> That's a big time shot right there. Yeah, he was on the front row too. <laughs> we don't have a lot of time to go through your coaching journey, but you did after you finished playing, get right into it. Uh, how, how would you describe the ladder, the journey that's taken you to BYU? And yeah, so, so I tried out for the D League at the time, the G League uh, down in Albuquerque, uh, and then assistant volunteered uh, at a high school for a year had a great experience and thought, yeah, coaching might be it for me. I uh, was fortunate to be able to get to operations role at Stanford, two years as an assistant. Um, went to William Jewell College in Kansas City uh, for a Hall of Fame coach named Larry Holly. 
um, was there for a year, then LSU for three years. Uh, fortunate to be the head coach at Southern Utah for four years. Uh, did some consulting for a year, uh, headed up to Seattle for two years, and then been here three and almost four years with Coach Pope and having an amazing time. And you still look like you like just got out of Stanford. So uh, <laughs> he still plays like he just got out of Stanford. Hey, I shave all the gray out. You know? <laughs> we are so glad you're here at BYU, Coach Robinson. It's great to be here. Well, thank you for coming tonight. Thanks, Greg. All right, Greg. coming up next will be Cody Fieger as we come back. At BYU basketball. Welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. Well, uh, two years after Mark Pope arrived at uh, BYU as an assistant coach, he and the staff were joined by a fresh-faced basketball operations director whose youthful appearance came with considerable basketball experience. Uh, now, 10 years later, Cody Fieger is in his fourth season as a Cougar Hoops assistant and his eighth season on a Division I bench. Please welcome into Studio C once again, assistant coach Cody Fieger. What's up, Coach? <laughs> well, when I see you, Coach Fieger, I think of someone who has uh, loved basketball his whole life. Is that accurate? Yeah, very accurate, Greg. When did it, uh, when did it click for you that um, this was it? Uh, when I was probably playing, uh, uh, when I would go to the YMCA every day after school, uh, like 11 and 12 years old, even during the summer. Or, and even during the summer, I went every single day. Um, Mom and Dad would just drop me off there, and I'd just play for two, three hours, and they'd come pick me up. That was just what I did every day. I think of you as a proud Wisconsinite. Very born and proud. raised? Born and raised right there. I was born in Appleton, which is about 15 minutes from Green Bay. And, uh, which is essentially an extension of Canada. Yeah, <laughs> right there. And then 20 minutes from Manitowoc County, which making a murderer is from. So 20 minutes from there, I was born. But I grew up have, right in Milwaukee. Do we have making a murderer fans in here? Nobody. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a couple. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so what and who first brought you to the state of Utah? Um, so when I was younger, I went to Rick Majerus basketball camps. He's from Milwaukee. He used to be the head coach at University of Utah. And uh, I went to his basketball camps when I was younger. Um, then when I was 16 years old, he asked me to coach at his basketball camps. Um, so I'd coach like the eight-year-olds eight and up to like 14, I want to say. Um, and then when I graduated, he asked me to walk on at Utah. Um, but I'm really cheap. You know, Midwesterners are cheap. Frugal. Not all of them. Frugal. But I am. Wise. Prudent. Yeah, there yeah. we go. And I'm still cheap. Prudent. So. Wait, hold on a were, were you coaching the eighth graders? Eight-year-olds. Like eight-year-olds. Eight, eight to like 14 Were you like coaching the eight-year-olds like Coach Majerus was coaching the college kids? No. No, no, no. A little more genteel? Yeah, 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 yeah. So no, we have a lot of fun. Did Mark Pope's days as a Milwaukee Buck make you guys kindred, kindred spirits, do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, like I was, I was a huge fan. Yeah, and see, this is Back in 2001. I was a huge fan. I mean, I was a huge Bucks fan growing up. I would go to a, a, a ton of Bucks games when I could. Um, and me and all my friends, they were, the Bucks were known as the Big Three, but we always called them the Big Four with, you know, Sam Cassell, Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson in the starting four. Coach Pope right here. So yeah. we'd be like, there's there's the big four right Cody there. Cody says that because we worked together for 10 years, but when he was 12 and he was one of his games, he was like, George, why are you playing him? Get him out. Get him out of the car. <laughs> still a huge Bucks fan? Yeah, still a big Bucks fan. Um, you know, playing really well, so that's that's a lot of fun. How do you describe your coaching ladder? Uh, kind of all over the place. Um, kind of been in, I've done every job, every position. Um, and, you know, started with Coach Majerus back in Utah back in fall of 2002. This is my 20th year in it, and uh, just been lucky to be in Division One ever since. I'm so glad you're here. I know Coach Pope, glad you're here, and I'd like to keep you here forever, but uh, Coach Pope, you know he has a goal yeah. to coach his own team sometime, yeah. right? Yeah, and he's beyond ready. Like, he's beyond ready. He's, uh, he's, it's, and he's going to go somewhere, and he's going to crush it, and, <laughs> and it's going to be our loss, right? But it's... Um, like we've been working together for 10 years. 10 years. A decade. 
it's incredible. And, and, and just to give you a sense of how valuable coaches, just, just literally before we came here, we're sitting in, in the office talking about kind of strategy for how we approach, uh, you know, the, the end of the season and next summer and, and next fall. Um, it's, it's, we're blessed at BYU to have him here for sure. Cody, our time with you is short, but in the last minute we have with you or less, um, what do you want to see out of this year's BYU basketball team heading down the stretch? I want to win every game. That's what I'd like to do, and these guys keep on getting better because they are they're, like today we just had a great practice. Guys are working hard every single day. It's a really fun group, and I just like to keep on, like I want to win. I want to win, and I know they want to do do that, and they're, they're really, they work hard every single time. We're, we're right there, so just got to get this thing over the edge. Cody, love having you here in Studio C and here at BYU. Appreciate you again. Thank you. All right, that's Cody Fieger. Join us next Tuesday. We'll have more BYU basketball with Mark Pope. We're every Tuesday at 8.30 Eastern, 6.30 Mountain. Coming up next, we'll get to know our newest assistant coach, Cahill Finnell. We'll see if Coach Pope answers some social media questions when BYU basketball Mark Pope returns on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Cascade Collision Repair, serious about perfection. And by Smith's, fresh for everyone. tonight's show did not grow up a BYU fan. In fact, you could say he was quite the opposite in his younger years. But time has taken him geographically and now professionally to Provo, where he is now in his first season on Mark Pope's sideline staff. Please welcome into Studio C for the first time, assistant coach Cahill Fennell. Coach. Go, baby. Long time. All right, so, I, yeah. Yeah, right. so I, teased, I teased your upbringing and the fact that BYU might not have been top of mind growing up for you as one of your favorites. So explain uh, the background there. Why it wasn't top of mind? Yeah, where were you? <laughs> uh, I grew up in Hawaii. I was born in Hawaii, and uh, my mom was a season ticket holder for UH football. So I was a big UH football fan and, and uh, went to all the games, and um, obviously that was a pretty big rivalry at the time back in the WAC days. And uh, I did not like BYU at all. <laughs> you, he, he, I, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this, but you might have been at the game when Byron Rex lost Saluted his Saluted the fans yes. in the end zone? Yes. Right. Ooh, yeah, I, I get that. it. I get it. Well, my mom used to take me to the games in a, in a basket. Right? So I, like, I was a little baby. So, and, and I just remember I loved them so much. They were playing Yale for some reason, right? Hawaii was playing Yale. And, um, the other why. Yeah, right. And there was a, my, my dad had a, uh, a, an issue with the car, and I was just bawling because we couldn't go to the game. <laughs> I was a big UH fan, and, and yeah, I was an anti-BYU oh, fan great. for sure. So born in Hawaii, uh, grew up in California, played high school ball in California? Or, I did. And then JUCO ball, or small college ball in California as well, right? Correct. Well, I, yeah. I bounced around a little bit. So from Hawaii, I went to New Jersey, which okay. is a pretty natural progression. Obviously. And then uh, from same, New Jersey. Same yeah. price. <laughs> One and the same. Like, so I went from... How much time do we have to tell stories? We got time. We got time. <laughs> we actually booked you a few extra minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, is, this is all running. So I would go from wearing like flip flops or no shoes at all to winter. To and those. I was completely right unprepared. Yeah. 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 So I never got those. So we would go to like football games and high school football games at night, and there's pictures of me and my brothers in, in hoodies and socks on our hands. Mm. <laughs> and like the school teachers used to get worried about us because we look so ill prepared <laughs> for the winter. But my parent, my mom's actually a good mom, believe it or not. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm sorry. So um, I went from New Jersey to uh, back to California, Southern California, and I went to high school and small college there. Now, like Coach Pope, you did not go right into coaching from playing. Correct. So you guys can relate to the fact that you were doing something else when the coaching bug bit, or you decided I'm going to give this a shot. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't really anticipate after I start, stopped playing um, college basketball at University of Redlands, I didn't anticipate getting into coaching or basketball for that matter at all um, following that career. I just wanted to kind of, you know, make money and start a family and just go on that path. But um, it was something that I had the hankering to get back involved with. So I, I did something kind of on the side as a as a high school coach. And, and I'm so thankful that I did because it's it's the best decision I've ever made. And Luckily, I have a wife that supported it. This, this trip to Malibu was not what we hoped it would be. My, my favorite moment that I will never forget, we get to have these moments together. We're sitting down as a staff um, the, the night before the game, 
And coach shares with us that this is actually just a few minutes from there was where he had his first <laughs> job. And we got to hear some of the inside scoop about it. What was your, what you, did you share a little bit? <laughs> I was selling copier machines door to door. Wow. Um, just a really bad job. <laughs> <laughs> just, just really. I mean, it's even worse than it sounds like. So I would knock on. <laughs> it's worse than it sounds. Yeah, I know it sounds really embarrassing and miserable, but I would knock on 50 doors a day, 75 doors a day, um, and just get yelled at and kicked out of buildings and all that kind of stuff. But uh, to Coach's point, the, the, my first sale was at an accounting firm about three blocks away. So it mm -hmm. always kind of stuck with me and they didn't kick me out of the building. You know what's beautiful? Is that there's a large majority of people here in the studio audience that can relate to knocking, knocking on 74 doors and exactly. getting yelled yeah. at can imagine. by 74 <laughs> of the people. You know, it's funny. I don't know if I just tell the story, but I ran into Ben Olson, who was the quarterback here, right? Yeah. And uh, he saw myself and this guy that I worked with that I actually played high school football with, Ben. And we were out selling copiers door to door, and he ran into us as he's driving. He's like, You guys look like a couple of missionaries because we're wearing a shirt and tie. And there's two of us. I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. But I'll take your word for it. <laughs> all right, uh, we're not going to have time to get through all of the rungs on your coaching ladder, but one of the cool things is one of your jobs was ops director at Louisville. I think it's pretty, and this may or may not be unique, Coach Pope, but you've been an ops director. Yeah. You've been an ops director. Coach Fieger's been an ops director. Coach Robinson's been an ops director. The fact that you all four have had that job, which is, you know, lower tier on every staff, how does that help a staff dynamic? You've all been there. That's you. That's me? Oh. <laughs> um, I, I think it, I think it's uh, involving people that have been in, really had their hands on every aspect of the program, right? Like Coach Bobby Herdusky right now it does such a phenomenal job of handling travel and meals and organization and administrative things and NIL kind of admin stuff and all that stuff, academics, right? He just has his hand in so many different aspects of what we do. Um, and to have multiple people that have done that before, I think we all can relate to not only to what he goes through every day, but really what it takes to have a successful program up and running. So um, for me, I think it's super important to involve those kind of people because they're just so knowledgeable about yeah. what, you know, the ground floor looks like. I think that I think the best people, the best leaders also haven't skipped steps because to be able to lead, it's important that you know that you know what every job is like. And certainly kills a great example. All right, break time. And as we take a break, here's this week's trivia question presented by Cascade Collision Repair, serious about perfection. Jackson Robinson has made at least one three in 15 consecutive games. Who holds the BYU record for most consecutive games with a three-pointer? The answer with the coaches coming up next. Stay with us. Cooking. Uh, Jackson Robinson has made at least one three in 15 straight games. Who holds the BYU record for consecutive games with a three? When it's a question on threes, always good to check Jimmer. And Jimmer, yes, 28 games back in 2010, 2011. Earlier in the show, Coach Pope referenced um, his, his one song hit album. And this may or may not have been the actual album cover that, that accompanied the CD. Close. It but, was uh, close. But there it is. Uh, beautiful story. Uh, guys, thank you for being with us. That was impressive, Emma. Thank you for the story, Coach and Coach. We'll see you uh, Thursday for Santa Clara. Let's go, guys. Okay, go thank Cougs, you. folks. Have a great week. Thanks for being here. See you next week. Okay, we had, we had a couple more.